in all of his epistles, and that is uh, the glory of the, uh, uh, as he unfolds the, the glory of the grace of God. And he does that marvelously. And uh, he, among all men, understood uh, more than anyone else could ever possibly understand the grace of God. Here's a man who was, was uh, fighting God, who was killing Christians, who was against God in every way. And God in his grace had mercy on him. And Paul understood that. And uh, we need as, as his people to appreciate the greatness of the grace of God. And I hope, we, I hope that uh, will, be the, thank you, will be the case uh, this morning as we look together at the superabundance of God's grace. And that's really what's found here at the end of uh, chapter 5 and verse 20, although that will be next week's message as we look at those last two verses. But he talks about the law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin abounded or increased, grace abounded all the more. He's talking about here the superabundance of God's grace, and, and we need to see that and understand what the grace of God uh, really is. And uh, last week we were, we, in, in, in 12, 13, and 14 of Romans chapter 5, we were seeing our relationship to Adam and, and to Christ and the likeness that there is there, the similarities that are there, and I'm not going to uh, try to go back and review everything, just to say, though, that uh, both Adam and, uh, and Christ were appointed by God. Of course, uh, Adam was the first Adam. Jesus was the second Adam or the last Adam. 1 Corinthians 15, 45, if you want to look that up. But each was the head or is the head of a, a, a group of people. Each passed on to his seed the effects and fruits of his work. Adam passed on to us the fruit of his work, which was sin and death. And of course, what was imputed to us by being in Christ, in him, is what? Life and righteousness and everything that's, that's wonderful. Grace, in, as Paul will point out. And so that's for us. And uh, today, if you are a believer, if you have trusted Christ, if you're trusting him, you're resting on his finished work, uh, you're in Christ, and uh, uh, you're saved, you have eternal life, you have forgiveness of sin, but if you have not done that, your representative is Adam, and you're lost, you're uh, in sin, uh, uh, eternal condemnation awaits you. And so there are only two groups, those who are lost and those who are saved. And uh, do I understand, as we talked about this imputed sin that we receive because of Adam's transgression that now I am because of Adam born in sin do I understand that no there's so much that we don't understand we have to accept it by faith and knowing that God understands it perfectly and he's bringing it all together perfectly I don't understand the trinity uh, and yet I know uh, uh, it's there in the scripture very clearly and I, I don't understand the, uh, the creating of God that God did of, of things, all the living creatures 
that we see around us out of nothing, how he spoke. I don't understand that. If you can, let me know. <laughs> but that's, uh, that's the God that we serve. And, uh, but anyway, uh, I hope Christ represents you, that his righteousness has been imputed uh, to you. And, and, uh, but there are also con, uh, uh, contrasts that we see here in this, in this uh, portion of Scripture. Notice in verse 15 is where we will, we will begin. And it says, but the free gift is not like. In other words, there are differences. There are contrasts. Uh, is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one, that's Adam, the many died, and that's everybody that's ever been born, much more did the grace of God and the gift by the grace of the one man, Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like, and again we see that, is not like that which came through the one who sinned. For on the one hand, the judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. For if by the transgression of the one, death reigned, and that's Adam, through the one, much more those who receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. So then, as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so, through the one act of righteousness, there resulted justification of life to all men. Whereas through the one man's disobedience, of course, Adam again, the many were made sinners, even so, through the obedience of the one, the many will be made righteous. And so, you go, whew, that's a lot. <laughs> and it is. And... Uh, uh, do I understand everything about all of this? No, I don't. And, uh, but there is, I think, some things we can glean from this. We will see the much more of grace in verse 15, verse 17, and in, and in verse 20. He talks about the much more of, uh, of grace. And he's going to, uh, Paul is going to show us uh, the sin and uh, corruption and contrast it with the grace that is greater than all of our sin. Amen. Grace is greater than all of our sin. The mountains of sin is greater than that. And boy, thank God for that. Uh, there is uh, a before and there is an after. There was a before when we were in Adam, but now there is an after in Christ. And uh, the before wasn't so good, but the after is much more. It's kind of like these, these before and after ads that you see on TV. Some of them are really almost comical, you know, but they'll show this, this ugly person, you know, with all these wrinkles and everything, and, and they'll make the picture dark or from a certain angle, you know, shows other. And then if you put on this cream, it shows this, you know, the, the, the after effects of putting on this cream, which makes you want to do what? Get this cream. I mean, you know, I'm going to be 16 again or whatever, you know. But uh, that may be true or not true. I don't know. And you can, We could go through a whole bunch of that stuff. But uh, 
where ugliness abounded, beauty now abounds. You know. <laughs> and that's true spiritually as well. Where ugliness abounded, the truth is now beauty does abound. Grace abounds. And so, wow, this is, this is uh, uh, incredible. Yeah, the, uh, the, the before is a 97-pound weakling. And he works out on this fitness thing, you know, and he eats all this protein stuff you can buy from them. And then, boy, he's got this muscular, you know, before and after guy. And, uh, but with Christ, there really is a change. There really is a change. And the scriptures teach that. 2 Corinthians 5.17, Therefore, if anyone, and Paul's saying this, he's written Romans, if he's in Christ, and again, we see this in Christ, he is a new creature, the old things passed away, Behold, new things have, have come. And so there really is, there really is a contrast. And uh, there's been a contrast in my life. Has there been a contrast in your life? Now, you may have grown up in the church. You may have known Christ all your life, and you may not have seen a radical change, and I understand that. But uh, uh, are you a new creature now? Are you worshiping him uh, in the privacy, when you're alone, do you find yourself calling out to him, praying to him, uh, reading the scriptures, loving God, loving the brethren, and all of these things that there's evidence that uh, uh, we have the grace of God in our lives. But we find that uh, in this grace, uh, there's no limit. There's no bounds to the grace of God. Even John 1.16 says, For of his fullness we have received and grace upon grace grace upon grace grace after grace after grace abundant grace it's just been poured out to us and it begins of course uh, at the cross it's like a it's like an ocean and you go down to the ocean and you take a cup and you reach down and I wouldn't advise doing this but you could just sit there and drink your entire life and not diminish the ocean one little bit. And that's the grace of God. It's just, it's just abounds. It's just overflowing. It's just uh, never diminished at all. And this is the wonderful grace of Jesus. You know, there are several songs that have been written. Uh, wonderful grace of Jesus. I mean, those are just wonderful. I just love to sing about the grace of God. And Paul did too. It's really this grace of God that produces the much more. Okay? It's the grace of God that produces the much more that Paul's talking about. And uh, more blessings, I think that one man said, more blessings uh, than Father Adam lost. Because when Adam was perfect in the garden, he had a lot of blessings. I mean... You know, it's kind of like a place you wouldn't mind being in. <laughs> and he sinned and he lost that. But there are more blessings in Christ than Adam had in the garden. Amen. And boy, that's, a, that's a saying a lot, isn't it? And uh, grace, remember, grace when we talk about it, is that quality in God, that uh, attribute of God, which leads him to be gracious towards us and to bless the utterly undeserving, and that's who we are. Grace is favor shown to people who do not deserve any favor at all, who indeed 
deserve the exact opposite. And that's what one commentator wrote. And I, it was so good. I said, I can't improve on that. I'll just read that. But, uh, but it's grace that leads to the free gift. Grace leads to a free gift. The gift comes through grace. You know, Paul just loved to talk about grace, again, because of what God had done in his life. He realized it was all grace, that he was not seeking God. Matter of fact, he thought he was. He thought he worshiped, was worshiping the true God, he, and yet he was blind until God really did blind him <laughs> on the Damascus Road and then gave him sight to see of who Jesus really was. Many verses you can go to. Matter of fact, that's a great study. Just take the grace and go through and study it. In, in Paul's writings, now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and has given us eternal comfort and good hope, what? By grace. By grace. Isn't that amazing? 2 Timothy 3.18, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Matter of fact, most of his epistles, I didn't look at all of them, end with or begin with grace and peace be unto you. And some of them even close, grace be unto you. Uh, it's there. It's, it's, he, was just, he was just overwhelmed by this, this, this idea. 2 Timothy 1.9, who has saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and what? Grace which was granted us in Christ, whoa, from all eternity. That's a long time. From all eternity. That's pretty, pretty impressive. I don't, now, I don't understand that. That's, again, that's something I can't understand. If you can, I'd like for you to explain it to me. Uh, from all eternity. That means there was never a time when that wasn't true. It, but there is no time. It's eternity. Anyway, Titus 2.11 for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men. Uh, I think there's one more. Titus 3, 7. So that being justified, what? By his grace, we would be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Justified by his grace. He, Paul was consumed with this. He uh, was overwhelmed by uh, the grace of God. And we should be too. We should be too. And uh, I hope that, is, that will be uh, true in our lives more and more as we, as we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord. Because we can grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. We can grow as far as what really grace is all about. You know, we're called Grace Bible Church, and I love that. It's just a perfect name. But you can be a member in Grace Bible Church and not even understand grace. Amen. And not have it ever affect your life at all. And, uh, but we need to. Wow. It's just, it's just to me, uh, more than I can really uh, comprehend and understand the, the grace of God. And, uh, of course, making hard things simple is something we need to all work on. And so I will try to do that. We, uh, we really talking about two sides. I, I didn't put that up on the screen. Maybe I should have made a little picture of that. On one side, we have sin and corruption and uh, uh, in being in Adam. In other words, before 
And then we have over here in Christ uh, after the abundance of God's grace. And so kind of keep that in mind as you go through. Categorize these things. But we see the first contrast uh, here in verse 15. uh, And that is that it is something that is not earned. It is not earned. We need to see what happens through Christ is called the free gift. It's the free gift uh, pointed out here in uh, verse 15. What is the opposite of a gift? This is not hard. This is not one of those uh, uh, things to trick you. But what is the opposite of a gift? Wages, something you must earn. Uh, On over in Romans 6.23, we will see that the wages of sin is death. And so Paul is kind of summing it up there. And he's going to say, what did you earn? Uh, what do you earn from sin? What are your wages going to be from sin? Death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It is a free gift. It, uh, uh, Adam got exactly what he earned and was death and judgment. That's on one side. That's over here. Okay? But on the other side, we have the free gift. Now, it's kind of interesting that Paul says here, free gift. Now, wait a minute. A gift is free, right? And uh, so why say free gift? Because when you say it's free, it's a gift. If you say if it's a gift, it's free. But Paul, in order to stress this, he says free gift. In other words, what he's saying is, this is really free. You know, there ain't no free lunch kind of deal. This is really free is what Paul is saying. He's stressing that. That's why you call it grace. It's unmerited favor that God has shown towards us. And it's free. Jesus has paid it all. You see, he's paid it all. It's all paid for. We just receive it. By faith. And yet it's so funny because we want to, we're struggling trying to earn it and keep it and everything else. But uh, uh, it's totally, it is totally free. Mankind in his depravity and, and Christians in their depravity, they want to earn it. And we need to just quote this verse all the time to ourselves. Memorize this. If you don't have anything else memorized, memorize these verses because this says it all. It is for, again, we see this by grace. You've been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. And I won't explain that. I've done that many times. But, uh, you know, the Pharisees, the Pharisees uh, did not see themselves as hopeless, as helpless, vile and wicked. Matter of fact, they saw themselves as very righteous, self-righteous, but still uh, uh, they were earning it and uh, they didn't see their helplessness and hopelessness. They didn't see that they were, as Paul says here, they were ungodly, they were sinners, they were, uh, 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 they hated God and what have you. But uh, let me ask you this question. Do you like the freeness of salvation. Do you like the freeness 
of salvation. That really will show you whether you're a real believer or not. If you love the freeness, because Paul talks about it's a gift. Ephesians, it's a gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. It's a free gift. Or are you like the Pharisees who are always trying to keep the law for righteousness and, and so forth? Are you tr still trusting in coming to church? Are you still trusting in, in uh, your obedience uh, to get you there? Or do you really see that salvation is really free and that it is by grace and if I receive it, then I'm saved? And what will that do in your life? It'll free you up. It'll free you up from guilt. It'll free you up from uh, trying to uh, earn uh, God's favor, doing things out of guilt and not out of love. When you really understand the gospel, by the way, it's called the gospel of grace, that's good news. It's, a, it's good news. It's bad news if I have to earn it. That's not good news. Believe me. Uh, that is not good news. Uh, and uh, we need to see that second contrast. The second contrast. Uh, what did Adam have compared to what we have? What did Adam have compared to what we have now in Christ? Because at the time, Adam in the Garden of Eden was not in Christ. Now he was... He was uh, righteous, he was perfect, he had not sinned yet, but he was not in Christ. Why? Because, see, Adam had what? His own righteousness. You ever thought about that? He had his own righteousness. What do we, do, are you going to plead your righteousness when you stand before God? I hope not. You see, Adam could plead his own righteousness. Why? Because he hadn't sinned. He was obedient to God. It was only one thing. That is not eating of the forbidden. But, but, uh, and he failed. But now we're in, on this side, we're in Christ. Do I plead my righteousness like Adam did? No. No. Only thing I got from Adam was what? His sin. His sin nature. I got all the bad stuff. But now that I'm in Christ, I have His righteousness, which is perfect. It's perfect righteousness that's been imputed to me. So, how does the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ abound to the many? Much more? Because this is what Paul is talking about. Uh, how did grace abound more? Well, it abounded for one thing in, uh, in Adam being in that Garden of Eden. Uh, it's much more than what Adam had. It's much more than what he had. We have now that righteousness of Christ. Uh, you see, he, Adam, was on probation. Adam was on probation. This is what one man said about it. I, I'd never... Uh, thought about it that way he was on probation in the sense that he could fall out of the favor of God he was on probation in other words he had something he could not do where he would lose his righteousness but now uh, in Christ 
We cannot fall away because it's not our righteousness to begin with. It's Christ's righteousness that we have. The only way we can fall away is if Christ falls away. If His righteousness becomes imperfect, then therefore I'm really in trouble because I have His righteousness. But we know that he, that will not happen. Uh, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. And we'll look at some verses uh, concerning that. But boy, that's, that's grab on to that. We have Christ. We have His righteousness. Uh, and that is uh, more than Adam had in his perfect state. See, it's more than what Adam had in his... So I don't want to go back to the Garden of Eden. <laughs> I'll stick with Jesus. Okay, and his righteousness. And the grace of God also, I think we can see, is more powerful than sin and death. Because what happened to Adam? He sinned and death came upon him because of that transgression. And, uh, but we see here the grace of Christ is more powerful than sin and death. Uh, because as we know... Uh, Sin is, is something that is very, very powerful. Anybody here that will attest to that, that sin is very powerful? Even as a believer, a believer who has the Holy Spirit, it is still very powerful. And we're tempted to sin. Uh, uh, we're no longer bound in sin, but it's still a powerful uh, persuasion in our life. And Satan tempts us and will destroy our lives and pull us away and drag us down. Uh, but thank God, uh, the grace has much more abounded. Amen. Grace has much more abounded uh, because the grace of God has brought us out of this horrible pit. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord and he inclined to me and heard my cry. He brought me up out of the pit of destruction. Whew, he did it. Out of the miry clay and he set my feet upon a rock making my footsteps firm. Are you on the solid rock of Jesus this morning? He's the only solid rock. He is the only one. He is the last Adam. The last Adam. Not the first Adam, but the last Adam. First Adam failed. The last Adam uh, was perfectly obedient. And we have that perfect record that he, that, he, uh, that he has. Boy, that's just incredible. It's the grace of God. It's the grace of the gospel of God that brought you out of darkness and, and deadness and corruption. Romans 1.16 says that for I'm not ashamed of the gospel. For it is, Paul says, the power. See, it's more powerful. It is so powerful that it can bring you up out of the most horrible and hideous corruption in this world. Out of the deepest, vilest sin in the world. I mean, I have seen the gospel change people who were murderers. Change people who were adulterers. and change people. There's power there. There's power in the blood. There's power in the gospel, Paul said. Thank God for that. Ephesians 2.5, even when we were dead in our transgression, God has made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Again, grace, you've been saved. And uh, 
And then there's another way. I think it's much more. The grace of God abounds much more than sin and death. Spurgeon said this when I was reading one of his sermons. He said he believes in heaven there will be more people, souls in heaven than in hell. And I went, hey, no, wait a minute. Few be, and there are few that, uh, and, and, and there will be few that will find it. I said, that doesn't make any sense until he explained why. He said, because uh, of all the babies in this world, because the scriptures are clear that uh, uh, he will have his people out, out of every tribe and nation. There's some tribes and nations that never heard the gospel. And they're gone, by the way. They were wiped out by other tribes. They never heard. So that would disprove that, that verse of every tribe and nation unless those children that had been born, conceived, will be in heaven. And Spurgeon said many times you might have more uh, uh, deaths in childbirth than, than actual children. And he felt like this verse, the much more, there would be much more souls in heaven than, than in hell. Now, that, I don't know. I mean, that's just a thought to think about. But we serve a gracious God, and I, I think that, uh, that could be a real possibility. God's in control of that, though. I'm not. I thank the Lord for that. But anyway, the next, next contrast on the one side, uh, the one sin of Adam led to condemnation of many. And on the other side, the many offenses are covered by the one obedient act of the Lord Jesus Christ. And wow, that's, that's, that's good news. All my mountain of sins are covered. All your sins, millions of sins, past, present, and future, are forgiven. The one sin of Adam brought all the misery and headaches of this world. The one act of obedience brought forgiveness of sins to those that trust him. That's, that's, that's good news. And let's, let me just say, are you fixing your eyes this morning on him? Another contrast in verse 17, uh, where death reigned through the one, much more, it says, uh, let's, let's read that. It says, uh, uh, for by the transgression of the one, death reigned, through the one, much more those who receive, again, it's those who believe the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness will reign in life. Now notice he doesn't say on this side you have death reign and on this side you have life. You think he'd say, well, then you have life reigns. But he doesn't. He says, we reign in life. See, we, it's, it's personalized here. We reign. We will reign with him. And that's why I was saying at the beginning, uh, we are kings and priests forever. And wow, that's just, again, one of those things I can't understand. But anyway, Christ's whole life, his whole life was an act of righteousness. In verse 18, uh, this is where the universal salvation comes from those that would teach that everybody that's ever been born will be in heaven. And it says, So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through the act of the righteousness there resulted justification of life to all men. So we have to see that the first all in this verse 
is speaking really and truly of all lost people. But the last, the last all, to all men with the understanding of those who trust Christ, to those who receive him, to those who have been saved or justified by grace. And so don't be confused by that. Don't let anyone use that, that verse to promote heresy. Because all in the Bible uh, does not always mean all in that sense. And we see that in, in many verses, John 3, 26. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Okay, again, it's not uh, everyone in the sense that, uh, you know, and then uh, I, I won't go and try to explain all this. But anyway, Luke 2, 1, now in those days of the, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited world. And uh, does that mean he came over to America and, and took a census of the Indians? No. So in the context, you always have to study the all in the context. Acts 2.17, it shall be in the last days, God says, that I will pour forth of my spirit on all mankind and uh, and and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. That means of, of all mankind, of everybody in the world that they prophesied it. No, it's the context and so forth. But anyway, uh, so be, be aware of that. And, and really the clincher, 1 Corinthians 15, 22 and 23. For as in, and here again Paul says it, for as in Adam all die. And again, that's everybody, okay? There is no person that is born uh, uh, sinless. So also in Christ, all will be made alive. And he goes on to explain it, but each in his own order. Christ the first fruits, after that those who are uh, a Christ at his coming. So the, the second all we can see is all that are made alive in Christ. You see. So anyway, uh, so don't let anybody use that universal uh, idea on you. That's being taught today, by the way, is that everybody will be in heaven. And the Bible just does not teach that. At all. And, uh, so let's just sum this up. I've got a lot more as the time is gone here. But uh, I want us to see again, as we started this off, the greatness of his grace. What guarantees our getting to heaven? If it were our obedience that saved us, none of us would make it. You must see that. If it depended on my obedience to get me to heaven, I would not make it. Now, it doesn't mean that I'm not supposed and try and, and, and my desire should not to, to obey God. It is, and it will be. Matter of fact, in chapter 6, we'll see that Paul said, some of you are going to say, then let's just go out and sin all we want to so that grace may abound even more and more and more. But then he says, how can we who are dead to sin live any longer? That is, practice sin anymore. And you won't because... Your, your want to has been changed by the power of God. And your desire now will be to worship and serve him perfectly? No. Because Jesus did that already. 
but uh, what is our attitude toward, uh, towards obedience? But if it was our obedience that saved us, none of us would be saved. So why can we rest and be secure in our salvation? It is by the obedience of Christ. It is by his perfect obedience that guarantees our getting to heaven. It is because of what Jesus did. Because he was without sin. He was that perfect sacrifice that God accepted. He was the Lamb of God that was without blemish. Knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver and gold. You know, if it was just a matter of coming up with a million dollars and you could buy it, I'd be in trouble. But, but it's not silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Christ. You see, it was his, it was his obedience. It was it, what is what Christ did. Hebrews 4, 15 and 16 for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted at all things as we are, yet what? Without sin. Christ never sinned. He lived that perfect life. He was perfectly obedient when I wasn't, when Adam wasn't. He was the second Adam who was without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with what? What does it say? Confidence. Why? Why can we come with confidence to the throne of grace? That we may receive mercy and find what? Again, we see this word, grace to help. Because he was that perfect sacrifice. He was perfectly obedient and he kept the law perfectly, something that we failed to do. And so now in verse 19, what is so neat in Romans 5, 19 is, for as through one man's disobedience, Adam, many were made sinners. Even so, through the, the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. What is he? It says it right here. Through the obedience of the one, you see, many will be made righteous. Why? Because the one who was obedient was righteous. He was the righteous one. And God accepted his, this sacrifice, the perfect sacrifice, the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. He was the obedient one. And so now Christ dies. What does Christ do? Well, what, what happens? He takes all of my imperfect record. He takes all of my sin upon himself so here I am left with what? His perfect righteousness. Amen. He gets mine and I get his. That's a good deal. A Take it. <laughs> Take it. It's free. He said it's free. It's a free gift. Amen. Believe it. Believe it. It's true. Take comfort. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Isn't that exciting? That ought, to, that ought to just thrill your heart. That ought to just go, hallelujah, thank you, Lord. Amen. Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. I have Christ's righteousness, and therefore I'm righteous. 
He sees me as being perfectly obedient. And I know I fail every day in thought, word, and deed. But he sees me as perfectly obedient. Let's pray. Lord, what, what grace. Lord, how this grace much more abounds to the chief of sinners like me and like Paul and like everybody here. It abounds. It's more, Lord, than we can even begin to take in. And it's a free gift, as Paul says, a free gift. It's a gift and it's free. Thank you, Father. Fill us with your love for us. Fill us uh, and, and give us comfort knowing that uh, you have paid it all. It's all taken care of. And all I have to do is receive it, trust, rest in you. That I would fix my eyes on Jesus. In his name I pray. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>